another episode of Come Over for Dinner. I'm so glad you're joining me. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Catherine Kim, Cat Kim for short. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here today. Well, thank you for coming. I know she sacrificed to come because she has two precious little girls and a little boy on the way. So she is a very busy mom. She works from home, does some real estate. What else do you do? You do some design. I don't do too much real estate anymore. My true passion is architecture and interiors and also cooking and my kids. Yes. And so I do all of that from literally my kitchen and my dining room table. That's amazing. You have a degree in architecture and design, don't you? Yeah. So my husband and I are high school sweethearts and then we both went to U of I and he studied computer science and I studied interior architecture and got a minor in architecture. Okay. And U of I is University of Idaho. They are both in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so tell us a little bit about hosting with small children. A lot of times when people are very busy with tiny little ones, it can seem overwhelming to invite someone into that because there's always a mess or always just, you know, it's just life is always happening. Yeah. I've actually noticed that inviting other people who also have small children, for me at least, really mitigates the amount of stress because we're all in the same boat. Yes. We, we all of us, we <laughs> have great. the kitchen or the pretend kitchen food on the living room floor or the teddy bear on the couch or like the laundry on the other chair or whatever else. We're all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we do like pick up and such beforehand, especially your bathroom. Right. So always clean up the bathroom. <laughs> always make sure the bathroom has a quick wipe down. Yeah. But if you're all in the same boat together, everyone's more comfortable. You're not putting on a fake, here's my perfect Instagram life. Mm -hmm. It's just come over, enjoy some food, some fellowship, and our kids can play. Yes. Well, I do know from personal experience, because we are neighbors, that she hosts all the time. There are little kids running around and moms upstairs and just having a great time visiting. It's just such, it's so encouraging to see that because you don't, haven't decided, well, I'm going to wait on hospitality or I just can't do it. You know, my house isn't perfect. It's not clean enough or whatever. You know, like you say, you just open the door and say, come and fellowship and have some food and and then the moms who are eager for that aren't having to wait so long, you know, just yeah. feeling isolated at home. So that's wonderful. Well, tell it, tell us a little bit about what kind of hospitality you do with young families. So mostly when it's the family with the mom and the dad and all the kids, we do dinner in the evenings, but sometimes I also do like little toddler events. I haven't done one since Christmas but those are really fun, and the kids always have a great time, and it's inevitably messy and crazy, and you know what? That's part of the fun of it. For sure. What kind of activities do you do during toddler events? So I've done Christmas cookie decorating. There, I'm, I'm still finding sprinkles under... <laughs> I'm still finding tiny sprinkles in random places. Glitter? Did you allow glitter? <laughs> oh, no. No, just the tiny sprinkles. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> and last year we did an Easter egg hunt, which was super fun. And I would love to do one again this year, but due to weather and such, we might have to put that off for mm -hmm. a little bit. 
Well, in another time, I guess this wasn't for toddlers. It was for the, the parents of toddlers. But another time, I, one thing that you did that I thought was just really genius was she hosted a party at her home and turned the dining room table into a huge charcuterie board. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so just, yeah, took a clean table, and instead of putting a tray and another tray and another plate, it was just the table was the giant tray, and that was so fun and easy. Yeah, it was really fun. I did do a few, like, special, not charcuterie-type appetizer things, but for the most part, yeah, I just plop stuff on the table and let the sort of fun, classy, aesthetic messiness happen. And it w- it worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. So all kinds of ways to host and just open your doors and tell people to come on over. So what is a favorite menu you might choose to serve when you're having people over for dinner? So after a lot of trial and error, actually, I've sort of stuck with a Cajun spiced shrimp pasta, which is not spicy. fruit salad, and then tiramisu for dessert. I generally do a meat, starch, produce type of thing. And if someone offers to bring something, that's great. And sometimes I just like, just do the two things in the dessert. And that works out really well too, because it's really filling. Right. So with kid, when you think about tiny kids coming over, I mean, most, most time I wouldn't think, did you say, what was the name of yours again? This pasta part. Oh, uh, the Cajun spiced shrimp Cajun pasta. Cajun spiced. So mm-hmm. if you think Cajun spiced, how do you serve that when little kids are coming over? Why not hot dogs and mac and cheese? <laughs> so I really, I really focus on kid-friendly hospitality without sacrificing the comfort of the adults. And honestly, I mean, I'm not really into hot dogs like i mean if i'm going to a barbecue or something that's great right there is a time and a place for a hot dog but um when you're going over to someone's house it's for like a formal or maybe not formal just a casual dinner yeah i mean you're expecting a real meal not hot dogs yes (laughs) when you expect a real meal (laughs) not not the kids are eating yay yeah (laughs) it's nice to have something that's um, versatile enough for the kids, but classy enough for the adults. So with the Cajun spiced pasta, there's lots of substitutions that you can do for it. You can also do uh, like chicken over shrimp if there's like an allergy, rice instead of pasta. And you can also use full fat coconut milk instead of heavy cream. And to make it very free. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a great idea. I've, uh, I have classed it up, sort of like make it sort of snazzier with homemade pasta, which takes some extra time, but really it's worth it in the end. I was going to say Often. it would be worth it. That would be amazing. That'd be delicious to have, to come over and have somebody have made homemade pasta for me. Yeah. It's be a treat. It's very filling. So you don't end up making like as much as you think you will. And everyone's all filled up at the end. And I mean, pasta is pretty kid friendly. It's very approachable. Mm-hmm. I would think yeah. kids would eat pasta, even if they picked it. Some of the other things they would, most kids like pasta. Yeah. I've, I've never had a child dislike the dish unless I used the wrong paprika. 
So in the dish, you mix together a few spices, and it's super important to use sweet paprika rather than like normal hot paprika. Okay. Does the jar say sweet on it? Yeah, it's it's usually it's pretty specific. I made the mistake of buying Hungarian hot oh. one time. Man, I felt so bad for the little kids. <laughs> like, in that instance, that was a really mistake. Kid friendly. <laughs> yeah, in that case, it was not. But every other time when you use the right paprika, it has it's been a big hit. I'm gonna have to try that. That sounds delicious. And then you mentioned, what were the other parts of your menu? You mentioned some fruit and tiramisu. Yeah, so I also always do a fruit salad. You know, fruit salad's extremely kid-friendly. Just shop seasonally and go light on the dressing. And most times, I'll often just put a bowl, just a big bowl of strawberries with the tops cut off of them on the table, no matter what the salad is. And it's always a huge hit with the kids. Yeah, any kid, I think, would maybe fill up on those. Yeah. Like mom would have to say, well, you have to eat your your main dish as well. You can't just have the strawberries. Most kids love fruit. Yeah. And then do you have a favorite recipe for tiramisu? I do. So (laughs) I, I always had, so I always liked tiramisu. And the reason I do it in the first place is because when you're prepping, like, to have people over, dessert is probably what takes the longest, no matter what it is. So do you make this ahead of time? Yeah. So the reason I do tiramisu is because the recipe itself forces you to make it ahead of time. You just make it the day before, let it sit in your fridge. And then it's done. You don't have to worry about it this the next day. That is nice because then you have all those dishes out of the way. You yeah, know, and all exactly. You have to focus on is your pasta dish. Can you make that ahead of time too? Or not? I mean, pasta probably has to be cooked right ahead, of, right before you serve. Yeah, that one you do have to time a little bit differently. But the sauce itself, what you can make it and then just put it on low for a while, and it'll thicken and be super delicious. I also. Uh, serve the pasta and the sauce in separate bowls so that, you know, if parents don't want their kid like to put, you know, too much sauce in it, they can determine how much their kid can handle. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea because not everybody, maybe there are kids who would have an aversion to the sauce and they could just eat the pasta. Yeah. So that's a good tip. Yeah. So like I said, the, like the whole meal, it's versatile enough for kids because all kids like fruit salad and such, but it is classy enough for the adults. I've actually, since it's my go-to recipe, I happened to invite the same family twice, and I, and I was like, oh, th- this is my go-to menu. I should probably like ask her, like, hey, should you, should I make this again, or should I like try something else? And she was like, no, make you it should again. make it again. It's so good. <laughs> and then invite us over again. Yeah, <laughs> and make it again. No, the recipe like that, that is, you know, just a family favorite. It's okay to have it every week or every other week. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm actually making it tonight with chicken. Okay. If that you just better send that happened. recipe pretty soon. Oh, I, I will. Now I'm craving it. I actually, like, it just happened that way. I was just meal planning and then I realized, oh, I t- I'm talking about that recipe today. <laughs> <laughs> what is your best prep tip when you're inviting families over? How do you prepare? 
So whatever task or tasks you can do ahead of time that can just sit, do them. Like, for example, the tiramisu, it forces you to make it ahead of time, and then it sits in the fridge, and it just gets better. Um, another example would be, like, setting the table. You don't have to worry about the table, you know, like, like food gets burned, the ta- nothing bad is going to happen to the table while it's set. Or, like, prepping the salad, you cut up the salad, fruit, uh, the toppings and such, put it all with the greens, and then toss it in the fridge, and then dress it right before you serve it. So just anything that can be done ahead of time that won't be affected by just sitting there in the fridge, mm-hmm. just do it. Just do it. Get it done the day before. So do, where do you look for cooking inspiration? Do you go back to the same recipes over and over? Do you try new things? What do you do when you're... A little bit of both. So I used to teach cooking classes at Ampersand, and which is, Ampersand is a downtown boutique gourmet cooking store and they have the most amazing cookbooks and you know when I was working there so I just had these cookbooks to look at and that's fun yeah that would be inspirational oh yeah did you pick recipes out of there to cook for your cooking classes I mean was that the idea that they they would be straight from these these cookbooks at the store it could be. You could do a cooking class like based on a cookbook, but mostly they had different themes. Like you could do a night of uh, Italian food or bacon, where all the recipes had bacon in them and all sorts of other things. But I uh, would flip through those like specialty amazing cookbooks and then draw inspiration from there and then make a recipe and go from there. And then do a cooking class. How fun. How many did you teach? Oh, oh dear. Um, more than you can count? More than I can count, yeah. I have every single recipe that I ever made saved on my computer, and I have saved it, like, with the month that I cooked it. And so if I'm like, oh, we're in April. What did I do for an April cooking class back in 2021? Uh-huh. I just look through what I did in April because, you know, Which I was makes- cooking seasonally and stuff. and. Sure. It worked very well, so... Oh, that's a great collection to have, and a fun way to organize recipes as well. It's, you know, if you are cooking seasonal and using seasonal fruits and vegetables, then you can think, oh, like you said, it's April. What do I want to cook right now in April? Yeah. I'm done with all the winter dishes. So, tell me a little bit more about these cooking classes. Did all, Did people come to to learn techniques, to learn how to use some of the oils and vinegars that were sold there? How, what, was the, what was the point of them coming to cooking class? Yeah, it, it, exactly what you said, to learn techniques, to learn something new. Um, I like to describe them as like a cooking show you see on TV. You know, there's the big audience and they're all, they're cooking mac and cheese or whatever they're cooking. But that big audience, they don't get to eat it. But at the cooking class, I'm cooking, you know, um, Hawaiian food or whatever, and then you get to eat it. Oh, that's I cook it right the there best. for you, and then you eat it. Yeah. So did you cook your, or did you learn how to cook on your own, or did you learn how to cook from your mom, or how did you learn such fabulous cooking skills that you were teaching cooking classes? So from my mom, I learned a lot about meat. We grew up um, on a farm. And we named all of our, 
<laughs> all of the cows and all the pigs that we butchered were named. Oh, and so no. at the dinner table, we'd be like, oh, who's this? Oh, this is Scarlett. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Was that traumatizing or did you learn? It was traumatizing it? once when okay. it was my favorite cow that we were eating, but I got over it real quick. Right. <laughs> I guess if you grow up on a farm and that's where your food comes from, you know, in grocery yeah. stores, kids nowadays are often a little more removed. I mean, sometimes there's plenty of kids that still grow up on farms, but you know, they're more removed from it. So oh yeah. But if you live on a farm, you better get used to the chicken that you just fed being on the dinner table or, you know, like you said, the cow or the pig or whatever it is. Oh yeah. We, uh, it was a very interesting way to, like, learn to not get too attached to the cow because she's going to be hamburgers next month. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot. But, yeah, I learned a lot about meats and cuts of meat, even, like, cooking lamb and stuff like that from my mom. And then more ethnic, unique foods I learned when I worked at Ampersand. The owner over there, she is an amazing cook. And she knows all about the different types of cuisines around the world. And I learned a lot from her. Oh, that's really fun. So did she teach y'all so that you could do those things in cooking classes? Like, did she kind of have a, te- a cooking class with the employees? No, she, um, so she taught cooking classes, of course. And I would sort of, like, glean her knowledge while I was working there, waitstaffing or whatever else. And then I was just really inspired by her, and um, I asked her one day, like, hey, can do you think I could teach a cooking class? And she was like, sure, like, make a couple of recipes, try them out on me, and then we'll see from there. And then it... And off you went. And off I went. That's amazing. Do you have any shopping or cleaning tips when prepping for company, especially when having little tiny ones underfoot who really aren't old enough to help you. You know, a lot of families, they talk about kids doing chores or helping in some way, but yours are awfully small. So my oldest is three. She's like, I'd say that's old enough-ish. And then the my second is 18 months old. Or is she 19 months old? Oh, goodness. <laughs> All the months blur together at I some know, point. <laughs> And thankfully, like when my first was that age, 18-ish months, like, no, not not all that helpful. But now that she's like older and like more mature, I guess, uh-huh. or as mature as like a three-year-old could be, right. the younger one just sort of copies her, mm-hmm. which, so she which is kind of good and it can be bad, you know? Yes, that's true. <laughs> Big sister better be uh, doing the things that are copyable. Yeah. I'm really focusing on that right now. (laughs) But yeah, so with cooking and with like shopping and stuff with them, I mean, just shopping with them is not a big deal, but I do meal prep around like, oh, we're having this family over on Thursday. And so I just make sure to get all those ingredients just the one time we go out. And the reason I do the menu I do is because, like, the shrimp Cajun pasta, you can find those ingredients all year round. Okay. It's not like my signature dish is, like, a rhubarb pie or something. You're like, oh, it's not rhubarb season because 99% of the year is not rhubarb season. Right. So you, you your main dish that you have for company, you can, it, like you say, you can just always find the ingredients. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. 
And what about cleaning? You said that the three-year-old's old enough to help you. So what do you have her do? She, okay, so before she would um, always, like, take the silverware, the napkins or whatever it was off of my already set table because, you know, I was being smart about doing the things right. that could just sit. She was deconstructing <laughs> She was deconstructing, deconstructing them, yeah. Um, but once I let the kids, like, really be a part of it, that was not so much of an issue. She was like, oh, you want to sit next to June? Okay. You and you go choose the plates that you and June are going to eat and then oh, put so them by the bench. She had a lot of buy-in to leaving in there because she put them there. Yeah, exactly. So she was real proud about her setting and she knew they were supposed to stay. That's a great idea. Yeah. The 18-month-old hasn't quite caught on to that yet, but I'm sure it'll come very soon. She'll get there. She'll yeah. stop deconstructing the table soon. Yeah. On, and something I noticed for this, actually, if you don't set the table up all the way, that's okay, too. If just beforehand you get all the plates and all the silverware that you're going to use, just get it on the table, like in the center where the kids can't reach it. Because I have definitely have it happen where you're setting the table last minute and then you're like, oh, shoot, I need a couple more glasses, let me go to my room and grab my abandoned glasses off my nightstand. Because let's be honest, we all have an abandoned glass on our nightstand. And then you're like awkwardly washing the dusty glass from your nightstand. (laughs) As companies walking in the door. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So if you kind of collect everything ahead of time, even if it's not set, you know you're at least ready to quickly set the table. Yes, yes. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. What is your best advice for showing warm hospitality to those coming into your home? How do you make your guests feel warm and welcome? So something I've really started like implementing or like noticing is, you know, if the kids are having a tough time, then so are the parents. Because if, you know, the kid doesn't like the food or whatever, they just or they're shy, they don't want to go play with the other kids. They just want to sit in mom's lap. And you know what? I like it when my kids sit in my lap, but not for, you know, two hours while I'm trying to eat. Right. That's true. That's tough. Yeah. So making a conscious effort to make the children comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so that they're not having meltdowns. They're having a great time. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like, you know, if everyone's all in the same boat, mm-hmm. like all of us have, you know, a 12 to 18 month old kid. Like, we get it. Right. We know how it goes sometimes. What? How do you handle meltdowns? You know, if a kid is throwing a fit, like, I know sometimes that's what makes young moms so nervous about either going to someone's home, because, I mean, child raising, honestly, is happening for years and years and years. There's always going to be moments where a child becomes disobedient. Um, or if you're the hostess and a child's there and the mom, you can tell the mom is struggling and maybe embarrassed or needs to take care of a child. How do you handle that? Tell, get them to go find to a favorite thing. Yes. It's like the foot book and kind of redirect yeah. their attention, redirect them away from feeling yeah. sorry for themselves and whatever it was, whether it was the food or the, yeah. Redirecting them towards something, something, you know, they like, like the foot book is just what I've been reading constantly. Yes. Oh, so that's what comes to my mind. Yes. I read that. And you know what? So many times. All other kids like the foot book too. Yes. You know what? It's not just my kids that are really into it. Yeah. The foot book, cat in the hat, all the Dr. Seuss. 
Yes. Yeah, so All those like kid books. Having kids over, do you have a stash in your living room of books and toys or Oh yeah. How do you keep prepared to to entertain children, to have them have a good time? So our living room is currently the playroom. We don't have a downstairs playroom. And so the to- the toys just sort of live there. And sometimes I'm like, look, I see the footbook on the shelf. You and so and so should go find it, it or is a treasure hunt. <laughs> you know, yeah, or it's a tre- it's a treasure hunt, Let's or find it. yeah, or like the little play kitchen. It's like you know, some little kid. We have a fun play kitchen. You should go over there and make soup. Well, and new toys are fascinating. Oh yeah, because it's not what they have at home. So mm-hmm. how fun is that? Yeah. So okay. I, I have a couple of examples. Um, so if kids have never been to your home before, they're very likely going to just want to stick with mom and dad where they feel comfortable and, you know, they'll warm up and eventually want to go play somewhere else. And if you have like a designated playroom or play area that's downstairs away from the dining room, living room where the adults are. I recommend just bringing some of those toys upstairs so that the kids are just more comfortable and they can see mom and dad like right there. And um, mom and dad can see them because a lot of times they do want to keep an eye on them. They don't want them way off somewhere where they don't know what's happening. Or, oh, yeah. You know, or if they're having a, an issue, especially if they're smaller, you know, like they're potty training or oh yeah, just having trouble getting along with the, their siblings or, you know, whatever it is that they're working on, they probably want to make sure that everything's going okay with their kids. Yeah, I had someone ask me if that was, like, enabling, like, the kids to just stay in their comfort zone. I I don't see it as enabling. I see it as, like, a true courtesy both to the kids and the parents. Mm-hmm. When the kids are offered something familiar or fun in an unfamiliar place, it won't take them long to go venturing to the playroom where the other kids are, like, for more exciting things to do. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's just keeping the kids comfortable. And then, again, by extension, the parents. Because mm-hmm. if the kid just wants to sit in mama's lap the whole time because they don't want to go downstairs where the toys are. Because it's too far away and scary. Exactly. Because I can't see mom and don't remember how to get back to her. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just bring some toys up, and they can play on the floor next to the dining table. Like, especially if this is, like, a special rule or something in your house, I recommend just breaking this small rule. Bring some toys into the dining room. They can be. They can go back into the playroom later. Yes. It'll make a big difference for your guests, I promise. Yes. However you can help mom and dad to actually have a fun evening. Yeah. <laughs> Not just, especially moms and dads of really small ones. It can be a hard time, you know, and it's really fun to be able to get out and visit with friends and you definitely want them to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, another example I have is just to have an extra booster seat. Or if you if you don't have kids but you're having a young family over, maybe call them or text them ahead of time and say, hey, I don't have a booster seat, so if you think your kid will need one, I recommend bringing it. It's a great tip. We, gra- we found one like at Goodwill or something. They're super easy to find secondhand. And we just have an extra one that we pull out of the closet when small kids come over because 
if they don't have a booster seat, then they're either like sitting on mom's lap or they're standing on their chair. And neither are a very good option. Neither are a very good option. So it's so <laughs> much easier. Little spot. Oh yeah, so much easier when you just pull out the extra booster seat. And that's where they can sit. Yes. Yeah. And then it frees up mom's arms and makes it just a little more relaxing for both mom and kid. Yeah. And one last thing, which maybe goes without saying, but just like kid-friendly plates and utensils. Just pull out the plastic ones. It's okay. It doesn't all need to be like perfect and beautiful and aesthetic. Cups. Oh yeah. I mean, you mentioned utensils, cups. Oh my word. Yeah. yeah. You set out a nice, fancy glass in front of a toddler, and it's your. Oh yeah. Even if it's not a fancy glass, if it's just like an easily, just a glass that could break, it's most likely going to if a toddler's using it. Yeah. Just kid-friendly plates, utensils, and like I said, maybe that goes without saying, but you know, it it makes a big difference when I don't have to watch my kid, you know possibly toss their plate or something onto right. the floor. <laughs> or you're cringing when they pick up their glass, like, please don't break your glass. Oh, please yeah. Don't break glass. Uh-huh. Just, like, grab a couple extra of those, like, Camelback water bottles or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... It, the table does not need to be gorgeous right. when you have kids, like, over for dinner. Just comfort for the kids, you know, familiar plates and such it makes a huge difference for the parents because then we don't have to worry about them using an adult-sized fork yes or whatever so much easier if you just have little kid utensils well and parents may think i'll bring my kids sippy cup that'll make it easier and then as they're rushing out the door and driving to the house they realize oh i forgot the sippy cup (laughs) oh yeah for sure it's hard to remember all the things yeah so it may be that they Maybe even meant to have some silverware or something like that, but that's a really hard thing for a parent of young ones to have to remember. So it's good when they don't. (laughs) Yeah, just focusing the meal around, like, the kids being able to, or, you know, depending on the age, the kids can do it themselves with not quite so much supervision. Yes. Oh, and then they feel big, too. I mean, kids love to feel independence. Oh, yeah. And mom yeah. and dad not hovering over them and doing, feeding them every bite or cutting oh, the yeah. food or whatever. It'd be kind of fun to just be big and sit there in your booster and with your own utensils and nothing needing to be cut. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're just an honored guest. Yeah, it, it's those little things that like make the kids comfortable. And then, like I said, by extension, the parents, because yeah. then the kids will eat. Yes. And then everyone's happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to avoid the hungry children. <laughs> yes. Everyone's happy. They get down and they go play. And mom and dad can still see them. Yeah. Where they're playing. So the parents can visit. What is your must-have kitchen item and where can we find it? So apart from the obvious, like Dutch oven, good knives, and kitchen shears, mm-hmm. those are just, you know, everyone's go-to, you know. Right. Um, my must-haves are mini spatulas. And silicone-tipped tongs. Okay. And they have to be from Tavolo, which is a brand. Uh Uh-huh. That is the best brand out there. Oh, yeah. I can't stand other brands. For those two things in particular? Or do you buy all of your little small kitchen gadgets? They're like, you said uh, mini spatulas 
and silicone tipped tongs. tongs. Yeah. Those are your top two. Yeah. So mini spatulas, I think you can find from several different companies, but the tongs, you got to get them from Tavolo. Okay. They're amazing. I'll have to They're, I have three pairs of them and I use them every the single day. Oh yeah. Okay. Wow. And you mentioned kitchen shears. Does that usually, are you talking about the ones that usually come with a knife block set? Oh, those, or just uh, a normal pair of like KitchenAid shears. Okay. Because I think I have five, six, maybe more pairs of kitchen shears, and I am you using use them, them all, all the time. time. What oh, yeah. What do you use them for? Because I do sometimes like to cut bacon or something like that. What do you use yours for? So I, I don't know if other people do this. I think they do. But in Korea, people use scissors to cut almost everything. Really? Like green onions and stuff. Okay. So meat, green onions, like literally almost everything they so, cut with scissors. And so I've just sort of, I guess, kind of adopted that little tradition that Koreans use from my husband. <laughs> Her husband is from Korea. Do you have a funny story for us about hospitality? Has anything happened when you have people over that you can share that would inspire other people to just keep on keeping on? There's little like funny things that happen that have brought me to like the menu I have today. Like, why do I do shrimp and pasta instead of like a classy hunk of meat? And the answer to that is very simple. Uh, classy hunks of meat require cutting. Oh. And, you know, when you're like, there's nothing wrong with cutting, but when you're cutting meat for your little kin, then you give it to them and then they eat it so fast. <laughs> That you don't even get to like get a bite of it yourself. Right. And then your meat gets cold and then like they're wanting more, but then the other kid needs their meat cut. It's just so much easier to do shrimp and pasta because the amount of cutting effort is zero. So you thinking about your little kids and other little kids coming over, it's actually nice for parents to not have to cut anything. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's just like... That's just like one of the things where like you're putting focus on the child, like their comfort. And it also just sort of translates to the parents' comfort. And uh, yeah, it just sort of works out that way. Mm-hmm. I have heard people that do meat cut ahead of time, you know, like, or it, that can be a way like they pre-cut, pre-chop meat and have a bowl of pre-chop meat, which is also genius because I never did that with my kids growing up, I was always chopping, you know, and I had five tiny kids. <laughs> so um, that's a good idea, but keeping it all warm too would be a little tricky. Yeah, I mean, I've I've tried that the you know cutting meat and like serving it in a separate bowl. It's I got nothing against it. It's just you like no, the one the pasta and where there's just no work yeah, of cutting. There's no wonder. Like, is it gonna? Is it going to be easy to cut or whatever else? Mm-hmm. But yeah, shrimp, you don't even need a knife to cut that. You can just do that with your with your fork. Yeah, that's a great tip. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really have enjoyed hearing about your kid-friendly hospitality and your encouragement for hosting with small children, especially very small children. I mean, three, 18 months, a baby on the way. She is still doing it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So you can too. All right. Until next time. Bye for now.